heard about a little family bookstore. They had been been in business for generations and generations, and everybody in town loved this little bookstore. But as the city grew, some of the big-name stores started moving in. And one big chain bookstore in particular started buying up the real estate all around this little family bookstore. And before you know it, they, they owned every property on the block except one. Because the little bookstore, they refused to sell. So the big corp- corporation, they doubled the offer. They doubled the offer and they still refused to sell. No man who owned the business that this has been in my family for generations. And I don't care how much you offer me, I'm not selling this bookstore. They called him on the phone. They said, sir, whether you like it or not, whether you sell it or not, we're going to build on your block. And we're going to put you out of business. The old bookstore owner said, I'm not selling no matter what. So the big chain store, they started construction, and they built this giant bookstore. In fact, they built it surrounding this tiny little bookstore. They built on both sides and behind. They were completely surrounded. They built this big old bookstore, and it finally came time for the grand opening, and they spent tens of thousands of dollars advertising their new location. They put up a giant banner across the front that said, Grand Opening, and the old man that owned the family bookstore put a sign across the top of his little bookstore that said, Main Entrance. The old man was surrounded, but he made up his mind he was going to win. Here in 1 Kings chapter 20, Israel is surrounded by a great army. Ahab and Ben-Hadad are at war. Ahab is the king of Israel, and Ben-Hadad is the king of Syria. The Bible says in 1 Kings 20 verse 1, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his forces together. Thirty-two kings were with him. With horses and chariots, and he went up and besieged Samaria and made war against it. At this point, Syria had all but won the war. Okay, Benadad and his army surrounded Samaria, the capital of Israel, and Benadad was not alone. He had 32 kings with him. That's not an army, that's a coalition of nations. <laughs> At this point, they had all but won the war, okay? Benadad and his allies surrounded them, and he demanded terms of surrender from Israel. This is what he demanded. The best of your silver and your gold, your wives and your children. The stuff the devil's doing now is not original. He's always done it. He's coming after their money coming after their finances, coming after their marriages, coming after their children. The devil is in an all-out assault against children these days, trying to rob them of their very identity before they even reach adulthood. And it's the same old game he's always played. Verse 2, then he sent messengers into the city to Ahab, king of Israel, and said to him, thus says Ben-Adad, your silver and your gold are mine. Your loveliest wives and your children are mine. This was a very high price for the people of Israel to pay. But King Ahab immediately said yes. This is what happens when you have a weak leader in power. 
Ahab figured that if he gave the Syrian king what he wanted, maybe, just maybe, he'd let him and Jezebel stay on the throne. Oh, sure, destroy God's people as long as I hang on to my position. But then the old Syrian king got personal. Benadad decided he wanted more. And see, that's the problem with compromising with the enemy. The devil always takes more than you're willing to give him. He sent word to Ahab. He said, all right, I'm going to take your silver and the gold and the wives and the children of your people. And then I'm sending my men to your palace today to take what they want. Ahab said, hold on a minute. He was fine when they came after the people, but now they're coming after the palace. You see, Ahab was selfish. Uh -huh. Don't act like you've never been selfish. Come on, when you look at a group photo, what's the first face you look for? And if you don't look good, the whole picture's bad. It's terrible. Ahab was selfish. He was his own top priority. Ahab loved himself. It was okay to make the people pay, but he didn't want to give up his stuff. Listen, if you want to give Satan access to your life, you don't have to have a seance or play with a Ouija board or a tarot card. All you have to do is be selfish. Some of you wonder why God's not blessing you. It's because he's not on the throne. There's not enough room for him and you both to sit on the throne of your life. Uh-huh. Come on. You say Jesus is Lord, but you don't live right. You don't have to go to church. You don't even think about tithing. This is an encouraging message, I promise you. Okay. Amen. I came to encourage you this morning, but sometimes in order to get out of our dysfunction, we have to first acknowledge that we are dysfunctional. Because there is hope and there is a way out, but that way is not your way, it's his way. James 3.16 says this, For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. That's Bible, y'all. God has a way of exposing our dysfunctions through his word because his word is truth. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Ahab selfishly refused to let Benadad take whatever he wanted. So Ahab and Benadad enter into a little battle of words, okay? They start basically uh, using the two words that have started more fights than any other fights on earth. Yo, mama. Your mama's so dumb, she thought Dunkin' Donuts was a basketball team. Oh, yeah, well, your mama, she's so ugly, she signed up for an ugly contest, and they said, sorry, ma'am, no professionals allowed. <laughs> well, yeah, your mama's so dumb, she saw a sign that said airport left, so she turned around and went home. <laughs> That's Ahab and the king of Syria. They're exchanging a war of words. Back and forth, Benadad says, oh, I'm going to beat you up and I'll turn your city into dust. And Ahab said, well, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. Ahab talked a big talk, but in reality, Israel, they were in serious trouble. Yeah. Benadad had an alliance of 32 kings to fight against Israel. They were surrounded. They were outnumbered. They had been cut off from the rest of the world and the people were afraid. And in the middle of all this, a man of God comes to Ahab. Suddenly a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you seen all this great 
multitude. What do you think? That's all I have been seeing. That's all I've been watching. I've been counting all the armies and all the horses and all the chariots and all the kings that have come out. Of course, Lord, I've seen all this great multitude. But here's the hope. Behold, I will deliver it into your hands today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Think about this. Ahab gets a word from God that was right on time. Ahab. Ahab was not a good man. Ahab was not a righteous king. In fact, he was a wicked king. Did you know that God speaks to sinners? Y'all know that? In fact, the Bible says, okay, Ahab was not only a wicked king. The Bible says he did more evil than any king before him. Ahab's failure was not because God didn't speak to him. It's because Ahab didn't listen when God talked. Mm, What's the last thing God said to you? What's the last thing God told you to do? Because sometimes the reason for the trouble we're in is because we're not listening when God talks to us. Don't ignore his voice. Listen to what he tells you to do. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, do what I say. Ahab had ignored the voice of God many, many times. And still God in his mercy sends a message of hope to Israel. Behold, I will deliver this multitude into your hand today and you shall know that I am the Lord. They were outnumbered, they were surrounded, they were outgunned, yet God promised them the victory. That's the God we serve. Doesn't matter how strong the enemy is, it doesn't matter how many stand against you, it doesn't matter how mighty their weapons are, God is more than able to defeat the enemy. And with God, your present condition does not have to be your conclusion. But here's the thing, and this is what we learned from 1 Kings chapter 20. This is important. The battle comes before the breakthrough. God promised Ahab the victory, but it was up to Ahab to set the battle in order. In other words, sometimes you have to fight for it. Come on, will y'all help me tell somebody sometimes you got to fight for it? Because God didn't say, I'll deliver them into my hand. He said, I'll deliver them into your hand. In other words, I'll give you the victory when you go fight the battle. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, you've confessed Jesus as your Savior. Now it's time for the fight to start. So if you're facing a battle this morning, I'm going to give you three things to do to prepare for victory. Are you ready? Three things. Number one, listen to what God says. Listen to what God says. In the first part of this chapter, all you hear is what Ben-Hadad says. In other words, they've only heard what the enemy has been saying up to this point. The enemy says, your silver is mine, your gold is mine, your wives are mine, and your children are mine. How'd your wife, how'd your kids? The enemy says, your money is mine, your family is mine, your stuff is mine. The enemy says, I'm going to turn your city into dust and to destroy your nation. 
All they heard is what the enemy says, but suddenly a prophet comes into the house and declares, this is what the Lord says. The enemy said, you're going to die, but God says you're going to live. The enemy says you're broke, but God says I will supply all your need according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The enemy says your marriage is over, but God says I'm going to restore everything that the enemy has stolen. The enemy says give up and quit, but God says keep on fighting. The enemy says you can't win, but God says you cannot lose. The enemy says our weapons are greater than yours, but God says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises in judgment against you, you shall condemn. When you've got a word from God, your condition is not your conclusion. Sickness may be your condition, but by his stripes, you are healed. Debt may be your condition, but God says, I will make you the lender and not the borrower. I will make you the head and not the tail. I will make you above and not beneath. Addiction may be your condition, but John 8, 36 says, He whom the Son sets free... Is free indeed. Glory to God. Your condition doesn't have to be your conclusion. Sin may be your condition. But God said sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law but under grace. And the grace of God is greater and stronger than all the power of sin. Death may be your condition. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. The devil can't win, not even in death he is defeated. Child of God, you listen to the voice of the enemy long enough. It's time to listen to what thus saith the Lord. If you want victory in your life, you need to hear what God says. I don't know about you. I want to be like Caleb and Joshua. They were men of faith. They believed what God said. The ten spies says we won't make it. We can't do it. We're not great enough. We're not strong enough. But Joshua and Caleb, they were men of faith. They said we are more than able to take this land. Joshua and Caleb were outnumbered five to one. Sometimes for every word of faith that you declare, the devil's going to send five people in your life to say you can't do it and you're not going to make it. Well, I don't know about all that. You know, my brother, he had the same thing that you got, and he was dead in about three hours. <laughs> Come on, they're everywhere. The devil's got his ten spies all around you. Come on. Thank you. 
Victory, you got to get some stuff in order. Go and do the things that God has told you to do. Make the decision to serve God with your whole heart and stop holding back. Give Him everything. Think about what Joshua told the people of Israel the day before they went into the promised land. He said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now what does that word sanctify mean? It means to be set apart. When you've been sanctified, you've separated yourself from the world around you. Oh, they don't preach this like they used to. We don't get the results we used to get. In a national survey, when Americans trust clergy and Christians just a little bit more than they trust members of Congress, oh, Lord Jesus, we got work to do, church. Judgment starts at the house of God. Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or blemish. It's time that the people of God be the people of God and start separating ourselves. See the for those who love him. God has good things in store for you. But are you willing to put things in order in your life? I'll never forget, I was doing a hospital visit one time and I was sitting in the emergency room and a little boy went up to the vending machine and he put a dollar in and he pushed a button and nothing happened. Put another dollar in, pushed another button, nothing happened and he started banging and beating on the vending machine and nothing would come out. And then he looked up and there was a big sign that said out of order. You're not going to get God's results in your life when your life is out of order. You need a breakthrough. You need to get things in order. You need a financial miracle. The Bible says all the tithe is the Lord's. You're in a relationship that doesn't honor God. Get it in order. If you're dating and fornicating, it's time to stop, repent, and get that right. Come on, somebody. Uh I said it. I ain't scared of y'all. If you want to walk in victory, listen to what God says. Set things in order and trust that God has never lost a battle. I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Psalm 24, 8, who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Come on, somebody say God never loses a battle. Come on, we're almost done, but I want you to get this. You're going to need this this week. God never loses a battle. You read the Old Testament, Israel lost plenty of battles. But God has never lost a battle. Never. Listen to his word. Get things in order. Trust him to win the battle. Ahab defeated uh, Benadad that day. They wiped him out. They whooped their butts. 
Israel defeated the enemy when they took God at his word. But Benadad was a sore loser. Y'all know the devil's a sore loser? Some of y'all were like, you know, I was all right when I was out in the world, but now I just feel like I just get attacked all the time now that I'm a Christian. Yeah, because you were in the world, you and the devil were running together. Devil's a sore loser. Benadad came back later and he said, you know what? Israel beat us in the mountains. But I don't think the God of the mountains is the God of the valley. So we're going to attack them in the valley. And you know what? They whooped them in the valley too because it's the same God. If you're in a valley right now in your life, you need to know that the God of the mountains is still God in the valley. And our God never loses a battle. Will you stand with me and pray this morning? Lord, I just thank you, Father, that you never lose a battle. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are the ruler and the reigner over this world. God, that there's nothing that's too impossible for you, Lord. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that you have called us to be victorious, that we are not defeated, that we are not broke and disgusted, but God, that we are more than conquerors, Father. Lord, that we are free. And Lord, this morning, I thank you, Father, that we take to heart what this message said. God, that we set you first over our life, Father. God, that we make you the ruler over our life. God, that we stop playing church, that we don't put the world as a priority and our friends as a priority, but God, that today we commit to put you as the number one person in our life. God, that everything that's hindering us from walking in that victorious life with you, that right now we put it at your feet. Those burdens, those things, those chains, those things that we've allowed in our life, everything right now, we're releasing it to you. The things that are keeping us from you being number one. God, I thank you for surrender in this house right now. That control is being released. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for hearts that beat of flesh and not hard. God, for hearts that long after you. And Lord, this morning, I thank you, Father, that we're going to set our house in order. That we're going to set our life in order, Father. And Lord, that right now in this moment, we seek your face and we ask that you show us the things that we need to see. God, remove any blinders that have blinded us or clouded vision or attitudes, a critical spirit, the spirit of gossip. God, remove those things that are causing us to be blinded. Remove those relationships. And Lord, I thank you right now, Father, that every one of us that is facing a battle, God, that you have defeated it. Lord, that this morning, Father, that we see that you are the victorious conqueror, Lord. That you have created us to be warriors. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for a warrior spirit to rise up. God, that when we feel defeated, that when we feel destroyed, that when we feel that the enemy has surrounded us, God, that we know we are not alone, that we've got the biggest 
the most baddest God that is fighting before us. And Lord, that when we lose sight, God, that we seek your face, that we don't tuck and hide, but God, that we get on our knees and we fight the battle with you, Father, that we don't fight against flesh, but God, that we fight our battles in the spirit, that we go into spiritual warfare and we don't back down when the enemy has surrounded us. But God, that we raise up, Father, that we're not wimps and we don't go in the corner and cry. But God, that we go and we seek your face and we say we will live and not die. That I am the head and not the tail. That every bill is paid because I am faithful in my tithing. That I don't have to worry. That my children shall be saved. That my marriage shall be saved. That that homosexual spirit and that addiction that may have tried to place its hands on my child and my family member's life, that it is coming off of them in the name of Jesus. That deliverance is in my house. And Lord, we thank you for that. And the enemy has to bow at the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that there was power in that name. That there was power in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for that power. And Lord, I praise you and I thank you and I give you glory and I give you honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Let's give him some glory. Let's give him the praise of a warrior. Let's give him the praise that I have won the battle. Not that you're defeated. How do you fight your battles? This is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look like, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm
And you know, the enemy has come in with an all-out assault. And I'll tell you, because I want you to look around and see all the empty seats that are in here. The seats should be empty. The house of God should be full. But see, the enemy is coming after us as Christians because he wants us to be defeated. I know personally, I can confess to the fact that I've been surrounded. There's been battles on every front, and sometimes it's looks like I've lost. But I dug in my heels and I said, I'm more than a conqueror. And no matter what battle I'm facing, no matter what attack is coming at me, I'm not going to lose sight of what God has said over my life. And see, we've lost sight over who God is in our life. We don't remember sometimes how big the God is that we serve. We put him in this box. And we said, over here's God, and I'm going to live over here. And then when I need God, I'm going to go to him because I'm in the middle of a battle. But what if you served God when you were not in the middle of a battle? When you hit that battle, you wouldn't be as tired and as worn out, and you wouldn't get as defeated so early because you weren't running to God in a crisis. You put God first. And I'm going to tell you something that some of you aren't going to like. Today when you go home, you need to clean your house. I don't mean physically clean your house. I mean you need to spiritually get your house in order. You need to go in your refrigerator and you need to throw some stuff away. You need to go on your computer and you need to delete it or take that computer and throw it out the door. You need to take your phone and get rid of some of that stuff you've been looking at on your phone. You need to go on your social media and hit delete and unfriend some people. You are in battle because you're putting yourself on the battlefield because you've placed yourself around the enemy too much. Quit being quiet. Everybody in this building should be shouting because you know what I'm saying is right. You just don't like it. But I didn't come here today to make you be my friend. I came here today to make you go home and clean your life up. You need to go dump some stuff. You need to go get your house in order. Some of you are in relationships you need to cut off. You need to stop playing church. Some of you have got the most critical spirit. You're going to walk out of here today and you're not going to find one thing that was good because you were so critical. And I know I stepped on some toes because I've heard it. You think that you can get by and that we don't know what you're doing and what you're, what's going on in your life. You are wrong. God has placed us as the shepherd of this house. And that means that we know when you're living right and when you're not living right because a shepherd knows his sheep. He knows. 
loves his sheep. And we are tired of playing church. I'm tired of having counseling sessions because you're not making the right decisions and seeking God. Now, I love you. I love counseling, but the great counselor is the great I am. I made a living off of helping people for a long time in the counseling field, but I want you to put the counseling field out of business because you're struggling with addiction. I'll tell you why you're struggling with addiction. Because you keep going back to what God has told you to walk away from. You got stuff you need to get out of your life. That second point that Josh made this morning about getting your house in order, it's not a joke. We don't have our house in order, church. If our house was in order, you would have to get here early instead of getting here late, not worried about where you're going to sit. If our house was in order, you would have people surrounding you that wanted to be in the presence of God instead of saying, can we go to the club? Because what you are reflecting is what you are attracting. If you're attracting garbage in your life, it's because what you are reflecting. Is because of what you're putting out, what you're posting on social media, who you're surrounding yourself in. Now, we do have battles, but I'm telling you, you go home and you get yourself in order, you get your house in order, that's when you're going to really start fighting the battles. See, you don't get your house in order because you think that it's easier to keep living the way that you are, to keep battling addiction, to keep going through the same thing over and over again. Your marriage is in distress. You think that's easier because you didn't put God first, because you don't want to give up stuff. Let me tell you something. Your house is not peaceful. And I will give up whatever it takes for my house to be a house of peace. I do not want to be in a house that's full of arguing, that's full of taking stuff and putting it under the rug because we don't want to talk about it. I want my house to glorify God, and where God is, there is peace. You can be in the midst of a battle, but you are surrounded in peace. I've been in the midst of a battle and fighting for my life before, but you didn't know it because I knew that God fought for me. But it's because my house is in order. And I've had to say no to people that I loved. And I've had to look at some family members and say, you're not bringing that in my house. I've had to look at family members and say, I'm not coming to that event. Because I'm not surrounding myself in whatever it is that you're doing. And guess what? They're going to talk about you. Who cares? Because what you need to realize, people are going to talk about you anyway. Why not do it and glorify God? Why not do it and bring people into the kingdom of heaven? So go home. And you need to clean. You need to throw away. And don't, don't just go, oh, that was a good sermon. Oh, Amber missed church last week because we were sick. No, this is the truth. If 
Wednesday nights, it is the truth. We live by what we preach. At any point, you can come in our house and you won't find anything that I would be ashamed of for God to see. And see, that's what you forget. You clean up when guest comes around, but you got the great Jehovah that is living in your house, which means this should be clean all the time. You got the best guest you could ever have in your house. And you think he doesn't see it. You think you can hide from God. God sees everything. You can hide nothing from him. That terrible attitude you've had, you can't hide it from him. I've had the worst attitude for the last week. And you want me to tell you why I've had a terrible attitude? It's because I miss church Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. Some of you only come once a month. I can't imagine how good your attitude would be if you were here every time the door was open. That doesn't mean that I didn't pray and I didn't listen to the service, but I was not in the house of God. And when I walked in here this morning, I said, that's been my problem all week right there. I was not here. We got to make God a priority. I'm going to take the second offering up here in just a second. It's like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You didn't know you were coming for two sermons today. Some of y'all need to lighten up. It's okay to laugh. We fight battles. I'm not here to make you feel good. I want you to live your best life. And your best life is to be victorious. I'm going to preach over here. Because y'all were with me. I'm going to move to this side. But some of you haven't made God the Lord of your life at all. Some of you aren't saved. There's so many people that walk around and they claim to be a Christian. But when the rubber meets the road and you stand before God, he's going to deny you because you don't love him. You love the world too much. We walk around and we say, well, I went to church. I'm saved. That doesn't make you saved. The devil shows up in here every Sunday sometimes. Y'all think I'm kidding. Y'all don't know we fight. The devil is out to distract. And he wants your life. He wants your life. He's out after you. And this morning, some of you, maybe you used to live for God. You used to be on fire. But you lost it. Because you didn't clean your house. You opened up doors and you've allowed things in your life. And you are far, far, far away from God. This morning, I want to give you the opportunity to make God the Lord of your life. I want to give you the opportunity to surrender. I want to give you the opportunity to know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to walk out of here and something were to happen, you had a heart attack, you got in a car wreck, or you just didn't wake up, that your family knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're going to see you one day. They know that they're going to see you. Do you know how many funerals we do that their kids don't know if they're going to see their parents in heaven? They hope it. Don't be like that. 
Know beyond a shadow of a doubt and let those that are around you don't have to question it. They know you're in heaven. They know they're going to see you. They know they can rejoice to see you. So this morning, I want everybody to say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Save me. Set me free. I believe in you. Be the Lord of my life. I surrender it to you. And help me. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. Help me to glorify you. Help me to honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, some of y'all need to celebrate because you're going to go home and you're going to